the word today is, it's all about love. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus because he is love. 1 John 4, 8. God loves the world. And why does he love the world? Because he created the world. He created us in his image and he loves us. And that no matter what we do, good, bad, or ugly, it does not affect his love. He may not like what we do, but he loves us. Tell your neighbor, God loves you. And until we have a revelation of his love, we will never fulfill what he wants us to fulfill on this earth. But before we go there, even on Resurrection Sunday, we always want to keep a sense of humor. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm ready to laugh. Okay, are you ready for this? I, Pam, it's good to see you. You look wonderful. <laughs> Praise God. Pam is healed by the stripes of Jesus fighting the fight of faith and winning the fight. And winning the fight. Thank you all for praying for me, too. The doctor said that uh, my pancreas is going to do great and that all is well. So praise God. That's not exactly how he said it, but that's the way I heard it. <laughs> it was close, wasn't it, honey? <laughs> okay, every time I, I've heard this story before, I don't think I've ever shared it before, but I've heard this story before. Every time I, I hear the story, I think about some of the families in our church and just the cute things that go on, and our own grandchildren, Carter and Jack. I really see Carter and Jack in this story. But the Sunday school teacher had just finished teaching the lesson, and uh, it was for a, a group of little kids, and uh, it, it was a really good lesson, and they were very attentive, and so she had giant chocolate chip cookies that she was going to give all of them at the end of the lesson. Each one would get one, and two of the brothers came running up to the teacher, and they wanted to be first. They wanted to get the first cookie, and she saw them pushing and jostling these two brothers, one another, and so she thought, well, this would be a good time to teach an object lesson of, of, of just good moral values to these little children. So she said, now, wait a minute, boy. She said, now, you know, if Jesus were here, he would turn to his brother and he'd say, here, you go first. I can wait. And so the older brother looked at the younger one and said, you be Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I can just see Carter saying, Jack, you're going to be Jesus today. Give me that cookie. <laughs> But we're going to, uh, I'm just going to share from my heart some things that I have experienced over the years in ministry. And all of you know the scripture, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world, he, he gave his only begotten son, that, that we would be able to have eternal life through him. And that he didn't come into the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came through him, the world would be saved. And it was a new kind of love. When you study agape love, it, it was almost a word that was never used back in that era. It was from the Greek, and it meant unconditional. It meant that there were basically no conditions. So let's all say it. Agape love, no conditions. We just love because it is the deliberate act of our will. Can you say, I'll, I'll say a deliberate act of my will? 
You can love anyone if you want to as a deliberate act of the will. But if your love is based on performance, which is what the world does, then your love will be withheld sometimes because sometimes people don't perform the way you think they should. You have been in situations before where somebody did something that upset you. It wasn't right. Maybe it was your mate. Maybe it was a child. Maybe it was a grandchild. Maybe it's somebody you didn't even know. You're just driving down the street and that, that one person comes out that just seems to tick you off or whatever. There's always something going on, is there not? It, you, you want to embrace God's love that he has for us, but then we want to let that love flow through us to other people. In other words, no matter what happens, we should be loving all of the people around us, drawing them to the Jesus inside us. Does that make sense? Now, if everywhere you go, your purpose is to bring out the best in other people, then you will love those people. I, I see Courtney over here. I'll, I'll bet you have a tendency in your grade school over there, your primary school, to try to bring out the best in those children. And probably one of the best ways you can get through to them is just let them know that they're loved unconditionally. Lance, you're in charge of discipline at Harrison. Is that correct? <laughs> Courtney has an easier job. <laughs> No, I don't know that. I don't know that for a fact, but, 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 uh, but, but there are some people, how many of you found out, how many of you know we should love everybody? But how many of you have found out, as I found out, some people are a lot easier to love than others? Some people look like they are just difficult to love, but they just need to be loved because they've gone through things that you don't know what they've gone through. And some of you have gone through things over the years. When, when I first got saved, one of the hardest things for me to do was to, what we're going to read in just a moment in, in Mark chapter 12, was to really understand and embrace God's love. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 12, we're going to share there, because this is what resurrection is all about. Jesus was asked, what, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he responded and said to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all, everything about you, love God. And then the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, that same type of unconditional love. I wanted to receive God's love, but it was very difficult for me because I knew what I had done in my life. How many of you have a background like that? That you, uh, we were at John Osteen's church years and years ago. I took a group of students from Tulsa out there, and John Osteen was asking, "How many of you came from a Baptist background, and how many of you came from a Presbyterian background? How many of you came from a Catholic background?" And everybody's raising their hand, and I'm sitting there with Pam because I came from no background. And finally, he said, "How many of you were just sinners and didn't come from any kind of a background?" And I finally got to raise my hand, and and so did a whole bunch of people. Do you remember that? A bunch of us raised our hand. Because we didn't have any background in anything. But yet, when you come to the full revelation that God loved you right in the midst of your worst sin, and that you've got to embrace that love, and that once you embrace that love, then you have to begin to love other people the way God loves you. But until you embrace that love, you're not going to be able to love other people the way they love you and, and the way God rather loves you. And one of the first things that happened in my life when, was when God brought Pam into my life. Pam was one of the first people that I ever met that really I felt 
walked with unconditional love. And she loved me and encouraged me all the time. And she was always telling me how much God loved me. And it was very difficult for me. How, now, how many of you, you feel you, you went through things like that yourself? Can I see your hands? Or am I just preaching to myself today? Okay, it looks like a lot of... And it's okay if I just preach to myself, but I wanted some of you in on it. But, but, but what you've got to do is embrace that love and realize, okay, God sent his son to the cross for me because he loved me that much. So maybe I should entertain that love because it was his idea. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting this. So therefore, you begin to see yourself the way God sees you with that agape love, and then you begin to let that love flow through to other people. But you will never love other people the way God wants you to love other people until you understand how much God loves you and he wants you to love yourself the way he loves you. Does that make sense to all of you? So that's what the resurrection is all about. So we go out into the highways and byways of life, and we come across people that are really, really hurting. And we begin to encourage them and tell them how much God loves them. We had a situation years and years ago in, in Tulsa that I was, uh, the, we, we were directed in the Bible school at the time, and it's a great example of, of being able to love yourself. And this young man came up to me, and I'd never seen him before. And he said, oh, uh, Bill, it's so good to see you. Uh, I've been watching you on DVD, and I really enjoy the VBI classes. And I said, oh, that's great. I thought he was a night student. We videotaped all of the day Victory Bible Institute out in Tulsa. And then at night, we showed all the videos. And I thought he was a night student, and I didn't know all the night students. And I said, oh, great. I'm really glad that you're enjoying them. Are you taking all the classes at night? He said, no, I've been taking them in prison. I said, in prison? He said, yes. Well, I knew we had our, v our Victory Bible Institute in prisons and about four or five at the time. One of them was on a closed circuit in McAllister, Oklahoma, and I didn't know exactly where this young man was from. And I said, well, tell me more. And so he said, he, went, he came into the office with me and he told me a story about how as a younger man, he had uh, gotten drunk one night, gotten, uh, was on drugs, and he and some other people went into a convenience store to rob the store only to get a six-pack of beer. And his job was to make sure that the cashier didn't do anything. And on that particular night, the cashier reached for the telephone. He had this young man named Steve had a club, and he clubbed the, the person. And uh, they all ran out of the store with a six-pack of beer. The next day, he woke up and found out that the manager of that store had died and that, uh, and that he was the person responsible. He turned himself in and uh, had been li living all sorts of a horrible life prior to that point. But he turned himself in, and he ended up getting sentenced to 35 years in prison. 35 years in prison for a stupid act of trying to get a six-pack of beer. <clears throat> what happened to him in prison was he found Jesus. And during that time, he turned his life over to the Lord, heard about Victory Bible Institute, got involved in the program, and his life was radically changed. It was so radically changed that it went before the prison officials, went before the parole board, and through a series of events, after four years of a 35-year sentence, this young man was released from prison. 
and he showed up at Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. However, there was a challenge that he had in his life, and that challenge was he did not see himself the way God saw him. He saw himself because of all the junk in his life, and he saw what had happened in regard to that situation with that person. But through continually understanding and reading about God's love, his life was transformed. How many of you, maybe you didn't do something that severe, but how many of you, you've been through that same process of having your life transformed? Not thinking about what you used to do, but thinking about what God did for you. And over a period of time, we watched this young man blossom. We had him several years ago uh, share here at Victory. We had him share at Tecumseh School. We had him share at West Lafayette School, his testimony. And uh, at that time, they let us come in and talk about Jesus and do, do whatever we, we did during that period of time. He ended up with teen mania and was with them for several years and then eventually launched out into his own ministry, which I believe he still has. He found a revelation of God's love. Let's all say, it's all about love. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about love. No matter what you have done, God loves you. No matter what you will ever do, God loves you. That's why when we mess up, I turn to your neighbor and say, you could mess up. <laughs> now turn back and say, I'm not saying you will. But if you mess up, run to love, not from love. In my family, growing up with my dad, uh, my, my mom was a wonderful, wonderful person, but she would have a tendency sometimes to get a little emotional and get a little carried away. My dad was pretty stable all the time. Uh, I, I, my, my dad would always just basically say, have you learned anything yet from what you're going through? And, and, and it finally got to the point when I would realize the sooner I told my dad I've learned something, the sooner he'd leave me alone, and the sooner my mom would leave me alone. I'm not sure how fast I learned, but I know I didn't learn as fast as I told him that I did. <laughs> but that's okay, but it worked. But what happened was I truly was raised by a father who did not know the Lord. He really didn't until later on in his life. But my dad was one of the nicest guys I've ever known at, un at being forgiving. He would always forgive me even when I wondered why he was forgiving me because I didn't think I deserved it. But when you understand that God is love and that God cannot contradict who he is, tell your neighbor, God can't contradict who he is. Now you might say, well, why are you saying all of that? Because we are supposed to be imitators of God as dear little children, Ephesians 5.1. So turn to your name and tell I'm to, I'm to imitate God. Now, for most of us, that's absurd. Is that right? It's like, wait a, wait a minute. I got sin in my life. I do things. I say things I shouldn't say. Yes, yes, yes. We've all been there. We've all done that. And we may be there tomorrow. However, when we miss it, we repent quickly because of God's love. We know that he has a plan in store for us and we're not going to be moved by anything other than embracing that love so that we can be exactly what God wants us to be. Does that make sense to all of you? Turn to your neighbor and tell, I can do this. So what happens is when an unlovely person comes your way, does God love that person? Yes. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, it's talking about loving your enemies. Love those who spitefully use you. How many of you have 
some people in your life that you realize that not only do you not think they love you, but you also don't even think they like you. Can I see your hands? We all have somebody like that from time to time that comes along. What should our response be to those people? We love them unconditionally. In other words, we love those who spitefully use us. If you study that whole scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, it says that regardless of how people come against you and spitefully try to use you, no matter what they do against you, you just love them. You love them. You love them. You love them. Agape love. You believe the best about them. You go out of your way to say nice things about them. You do not put them down. You just love them the way God loves them. Then it goes on to say in verse 48 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, then you will be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So if we're going to imitate God, we're going to do what? Love everybody. Love the person who cuts you off out on the road. Love the person who cuts in front of you at McDonald's. Love the person who says bad things about your children. Turn to your neighbor and say, now he's going to meddling. Love that person. Love that person. Don't take an offense for your children. Love the person who comes against them. Love is the strongest force in the world. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says the greatest gift is the gift of love. Right now, the reason Purdue University has not engaged in the South Sudan is because they have ethnic uh, challenges over there. Tribal challenges is what's going on up in an area called Boer. Matter of fact, it was just in the Journal and Courier yesterday, Saturday, yes, Saturday uh, that they've had some, some additional challenges over there. And Brad and I were in that area not too long ago. Until they cut, the peace is not going to take care of it. They're trying to get a peace treaty between two warring tribes. How many of you realize that'll last about as long as somebody ticks somebody else off? The answer over there is love. Rwanda and the atrocities that they had in Rwanda. Love finally began to permeate on the Hittus and Tutsis and all that kind of stuff over there. Because what happens is until you embrace love, you will, ne- you will always be thinking about right or wrong. It's not per se about forgiveness, although you have to have forgiveness. We talked about that last Sunday. But then you have to escalate into walking in love. All of us are capable of loving the unlovely. All of us are capable of loving people who come against us. That's why Jesus gave us the teaching in Matthew chapter 5. So let's all say, I am capable of loving anyone. How many of you believe that? Let me see your hands if you really believe that. So from now on, we're going to make a decision at the end of this church that we're going to love anyone because it is a commandment of the Lord. It is the greatest commandment, the second commandment, rather, uh, when, when Jesus was talking. But I wanted to give you another example of probably an individual who I believe fit the scripture here like no one that I have ever known. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, again. This young man came up to me. He was a BBI student. He'd come to Victory Bible Institute. And he said, someday I want to tell you my story. And I said, well, that's fine. And we had a lot of students back in that era. And uh, so it it took a a few months, actually, for us to get together. But his name was Stan Moss. He's in heaven now, had some health challenges, and, 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 and he's in heaven. But at that time, about 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when he came to me, he told me a story. 
and he said, I used to be a, a drug addict, and uh, I, I drank, and I was on drugs, and just doing all sorts of things. But as a young man, I felt like I was called into ministry. And I said, really? I said, that's, that's really interesting. Tell me more about it. And he told me the story about how he really started to clean himself up and, and started to pursue toward the things of God. And one night he was coming home, and as he was coming home, there were, he was about 19 years old at the time, and there were police cars. He said, I've never seen so many police cars in all my life uh, around my home. And he lived alone with his mother. And when he got there, he found out that his mother had been murdered. And uh, it sent him right back into the drug situation. And uh, he become totally addicted to drugs for about another year, about two years, and just a, a real mess. But he, he felt and he knew that he was called of God. So he was at a meeting somewhere and someone introduced him again to Jesus. He came back to the Lord. He rededicated his life to the Lord. Now turn to your neighbor and say, this is all about love. It's all going to come together in a second. And uh, so, so he rededicated his life to the Lord. And he told me this story in my office. He said, as I rededicated my life to the Lord, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, Stan, do you really want to serve me and love my people? And he said, yes, I do, Lord. And he said, all right, I'm going to put you in the ministry that I have for you. And this ministry is going to blossom, but I have something that I want you to do for me. And then I will know that I really have your heart. And he said, well, yeah, Lord, I'll do anything. What is that? He said, I want you to go to the prison where the man who murdered your mother is. And I want you to tell him about me. And I want you to lead him to Jesus. How many of you realize that is beyond what most of us could comprehend? And Stan Stan said, Lord, I can't do that. And he said, then you will never fulfill all that I have for you. But if you will do it, you will fulfill my plan and purpose for your life. And he began to pray about it and think about it. He couldn't get away from it. And finally, he decided to do it. And he worked with the authorities to get an appointment to see the man. And he sat with that man in prison, told him who he was, told him about Jesus, and led that man to Jesus. From that moment on, he said, a weight lifted off of me. He said, my entire life changed. And he began to pursue Victory Bible Institute, graduated from the school, started his own ministry, Last Say Ministries, which is still growing strong out in Tulsa, and had a ministry into the prisons for many, many years until the time of his transition into heaven. And Stan used to give his testimony about how difficult it was to do that to an enemy, but yet once he did it, it set him free. Everybody say, I want to be free. Turn to your neighbor and say, love will set you free. And what happens when is we get to the point in our life when we understand what it is all about. What is this resurrection all about? Romans 8, 29 says that we are all called to be conformed to the image of Christ and that you and I are to walk exactly like Christ walked. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 
Everywhere he went, he loved people. Everywhere he went, the love of the Father flowed from him, that people were drawn from him. This happened to me the other day, and, and I can only imagine what it must have been like to be like Jesus. But I went in an Alzheimer's unit to visit a lady, and I know it was not me per se, but I was probably dressed a little different than most of the people. I, I, I was dressed pretty nice that day. And as I walked in, or I was leaving the unit actually, and this one lady came up to me, and all I can think of is, she, you could tell she had severe dementia. And all I could think of was she must have been raised Catholic because she came up and grabbed my hand, and I didn't know what she was trying to do, and I didn't ever want to pull away from anybody, and so she pulled my hand up, and she started to kiss my hand, which I think she was looking for my ring, but she had my right hand. And, and so I, I didn't know what to do, so I let her go ahead. And then, and then here come another lady, and here come another person. And, and it was like, okay, what am I going to do? I was surrounded by kissers. <laughs> and I had a couple, must have been Presbyterian, because they didn't want to kiss my ring, they wanted to hug me. And, all I can think of was it was like what it must have been like to be Jesus, to walk through a crowd and have people want to touch you or hug you or, or, or say something to you. But it was everywhere that he went, he loved people. And in my life, when I was first saved, I could never imagine being used in ministry. Now, I love absolutely love the denomination that I was saved in. Absolutely love them. Without Pastor Charles Hackett, I don't know where I would have been. He was the first man I ever met who was just like, wow, this is different. <clears throat> but in that particular church, if you'd ever been divorced, you couldn't be used in ministry. That's okay. I understand their interpretation of certain scripture. I think it's wrong, but I understand. Does that make sense? In other words, I believe that when it says the wife of one woman is talking about you don't practice polygamy. Who would ever want to do that? But, but <laughs> well, I didn't mean it like that. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm still working to please one. <laughs> I'm not about to get five. <laughs> but, <laughs> But, but I was willing to accept the fact that I was a second-class citizen because of what I had done. But then, when God sent us to Tulsa, I heard a message that there are no second-class citizens. You're all first-class with the Lord. God loves you, and God's plan for your life had never changed, no matter how much you tried to mess it up. And then... It was as if everything opened up to me and to so many others in that situation that God could use anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, God could use you. And then we get this revelation and it sets us free. And then we go out and we help other people get set free by loving them unconditionally. Does that make sense to all of you? That's exactly the kind of life that God wants us to live. Now, I thought we had a clock up here we're putting up here. You didn't get it. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. I keep looking for it. I think I must, it must be here somewhere. <laughs> Didn't you tell me to look for the clock? 
Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> when my wife gives me instructions, I pay attention. Uh, there's a clock there somewhere because she told me. <laughs> but here's what you have to do. Number one, you have to receive his love. Once you understand that agape love, that God loves you and he wants the very best for you, then you give it back to him. You love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Then you love other people. How do you love other people? You love other people the way you love yourself. Now, this is what happens. The shortcoming that you have had in your life until you embrace that love, when you see that in other people, it'll drive you up a wall. You won't like them doing what used to make you do what you did. Does that make sense to you? In other words, there's nothing worse than a reformed cigarette smoker to somebody who smokes. Well, y'all ought to quit. I quit. No, no, no. That's not how it works. (laughs) Somebody had compassion for you. Somebody had mercy for you. Somebody, mercy is that, is, is that love and action, that tenderness that you have toward people. I, I read this years ago in a motivational book. I, it says it's true. I have no way of verifying it. But it's a story about Napoleon. And Napoleon was, was a, a very strict leader, but a very compassionate leader, but very strict. And, and Napoleon had certain rules that it was kind of like the, the merge and the peas in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that whatever the king said was it and nothing could change it. And uh, Napoleon had a standing order, and the standing order was that if anyone fell asleep on guard duty, they were to be executed. And that night a young man fell asleep on guard duty, and he was to be executed. And on the way to his execution, a woman went to Napoleon, the boy's mother, and said, please, please spare my child, sire, I beg you. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, we're not sparing him. He deserves to die. He fell asleep on guard duty. And she said, oh, sire, I know he deserves to die. I know that is what he deserves. However, I am pleading for mercy. Please have mercy on him. And, and the story is told that that word penetrated Napoleon. And he looked at the lady in the tears and said, because you have asked for mercy, I'm going to grant him mercy. And he didn't execute this young man. He said he deserves judgment, but I'm going to give him mercy. We deserve judgment. Let's just say, I deserve judgment. But God said, no, I'm not going to judge you. I am going to have mercy on you. I am going to love you. That is what resurrection is all about. Let's stand to our feet. We have been resurrected with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if you will let this message penetrate into your spirit and into your heart and into your renewed mind, it will change your world. The people around you that used to bother you, they will not bother you anymore, but they may continue to do the same thing they've always done. They may continue to try to persecute you or talk about you or or, or say something about your children or whatever, or maybe new people will come in. The devil loves to throw people your way that will try to get you off of the track that God wants you on. But if you'll purpose to walk in that love, you will never, ever be the same. 
We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.